0: Hello, and welcome to Real Money Powered by CanStar, a podcast about real people and their real money stories. I'm Effie Zahos, CanStar's editor-at-large, author and finance commentator. Over the past 20 years plus, I've enjoyed helping Aussies make the most of their hard-earned money. CanStar is Australia's biggest financial comparison site, helping over 10 million people a year compare finance products and make better money decisions. Before we get started, a friendly reminder that everybody's circumstances can be different and nothing we discuss here today should be taken as personal advice. It's always best to make your own inquiries before making any decisions about your finances. Mental health issues such as bipolar disorder can hurt your finances. When in a manic episode, it's not uncommon for someone to feel great have an abundance of energy and not need much sleep. Now, all of this may lead to risky behavior and that can include going on a spending frenzy. On today's episode, I chat with Jess about the financial impact of her mother's bipolar disorder. I'm also joined by psychologist, Dr. Alexis Witten, who reveals how mental health issues can affect your finances and offers suggestions about what people can do to minimize the potential financial damage. Welcome, Jess. At the age of 16, you found yourself in a very difficult situation. Now, your parents had recently separated and your mother was displaying erratic behavior, including excessive spending, drinking, and gambling. It turns out a lot of this was the result of her bipolar disorder, and the financial impact here was devastating. Can you tell me a little bit more about that time?
1: At the time, I was in grade 10, parents are separated, and I have a brother and sister. We were all living with mum. And we would spend like every other weekend with dad. It sort of all started just as we moved into the new house that we were renting. And we noticed like she would sort of spend a few little extra Bits of money on like nice things. She got a brand new car, little holidays here and there, which at the time seemed really fun and nice. But then after a year of that constantly happening, you could see it go away and seeing like the side effects sort of like coming on and the money running out. So she ended up selling the car to get a bit more money, selling other little things of ours as well that she actually purchased for us. So like we'll go to school one day and then come home and like the TV is gone or
0: something or like the PlayStation how did that make you feel because you were quite young and you, you come home and your playstation's not there anymore i think my brother at the time was very shocked he was
1: obsessed with that playstation so coming home and seeing that it was gone it was a bit devastating for him I was upset as well, seeing like some of my belongings disappear. We knew what was happening, so we wouldn't question it.
0: When you say you knew what was happening, what do you mean by that? We knew she
1: was drinking every night. We could tell that just something was a bit off for her. She just wasn't herself
0: anymore. Yeah. So at that stage, you just saw this behaviour as erratic. This is not my mum I know. You weren't quite sure where has it come from and why, but you knew that this type of spending was not normal. Yeah, was definitely not normal. We've never had holidays every few weeks and getting nice things.
1: And we noticed like receipts lying around. I remember one, it was from a makeup brand and it was like $1,500. And I'm like, wow, that's just incredible. Why do we need this
0: much makeup? (laughs) It's quite astute of you to pick that up because you were young. Were there other signs now looking back that you could see that things weren't quite right? She'd taken up smoking as well and she was just generally not
1: nice. One minute she'll be all sweet, and nice and then if you said or did something that didn't quite sit right with her, she would do a 180 flip and then you sort of wouldn't
0: hear the end of it really. (laughs) And how long did this erratic behaviour go on for? About a year before my
1: grandmother and my auntie intervened.
0: So there was actual intervention? Yes, there was an intervention. How did that come about? How did you get your family together around that? What did it take to get to that stage? My aunt was keeping in contact with her and I think she's
1: picked up that she wasn't doing very well. She also knew a couple of friends that my mum had that she worked with and they noticed that she wasn't showing up to work and just wasn't herself so I think they had a conversation amongst themselves to say okay we need to do something about this.
0: When you had the intervention was it at that stage that you realised your mother has a mental health condition, she has bipolar? I think we
1: all realised that something wasn't quite right with her even before the separation started and the separation definitely blurred her symptoms up a bit.
0: So things escalated when the separation happened and then when did the diagnosis come along? Probably about nine to 12 months later, when the money
1: was dwindling to around zero, she wasn't able to pay bills, running out of things to sell in order to get
0: money. So there was a whole sequence of events that really got down to her rock bottom financially for the intervention to happen. And then the diagnosis. How did your mother take the intervention? I think she just accepted it. Seeing
1: everybody in front of her and us telling her, like, this is not good. Like, we're upset that you're doing this. And the fact that my brother and sister had moved out and it was just me and her, I think she wanted, obviously, to be with all of us. And that probably helped her come to the realisation that what she's doing is affecting her relationship with her kids.
0: How did it affect your
1: relationship with her? At the time I didn't really want to have much to do with her so I was like angry with her. But now it's a lot better. The funny thing is if you ask her about things that were happening during that time, she doesn't remember them at all.
0: And can I ask over this period, what amount of money was spent? Do you have any idea?
1: I know the sale of the house was around that 500k mark and mum and dad had split that 50-50, so roughly 250k that she
0: would have gone through within the year. 250,000 in one year. Yeah. That's a lot of money to spend in one year. Jess, it must have been really hard for you to watch your mother spend up big like this and not really understand what's happening here. Now, a lot of us don't realize that excessive spending is actually a common behavior associated with bipolar disorder. And to help shed some light on this topic, I've asked Dr. Alexis Witten, a research fellow and psychologist at the Black Dog Institute and University of New South Wales to join us. Hello, Alexis. Now, I believe you actually specialize in mood disorders such as bipolar.
2: Yes, thanks, Effie. And thanks, Jess, for sharing that story. I can see that that would have been a really challenging time for you to go through, particularly as a teenager so overspending is it's a really common thing that people with bipolar disorder experience we know that from research about 70 percent of people with bipolar disorder have spent considerably more than they feel they should have whilst experiencing a mood episode in fact it's so common that it's actually described as an example of a behaviour that someone in a manic episode might exhibit in our official diagnostic manual. So it is a very common thing. Often we hear about it in the context of a manic episode. Mania are these periods of time where someone might feel very happy, confident, very sociable, very energetic, and not need much sleep. And during those periods of time, they can feel almost like they have more money than they actually do. And also, there's this high likelihood or chance of making risky decisions. So things like taking out loans and feeling very confident in your ability to
0: pay them back. Alexis, a lot of those behavioural traits also, when it comes to spending and erratic spending, some of those I could see my Self spending. If I'm feeling great, I I spend. If we get a pay rise or something comes our way, we spend. But what you're saying is another level. Is that right? That's right.
2: There's a reason why they call it retail therapy. It does have a very powerful effect on our mood. And in the context of bipolar disorder, moods are more extreme than people without the illness might experience. So overspending can range from something like buying three pairs of shoes instead of just one but then it can ramp all the way up to buying plane tickets to go on an expensive international
0: holiday at the spur of the moment, buying property, buying cars. Alexis, when someone is spending in that manic state, do they actually know what they're doing? Do they see that as a problem? I, I think that will differ a lot from person to person, but often what happens
2: is that you'll see maybe an attempt to hide it, you know, like hiding packages, hiding receipts. Whether or not the person has insight into whether it's a bad thing is a different story. So, for example, someone in a manic episode might feel like they've uncovered a new pattern in how a stock is performing and might make an investment. That person could hide it from their partner, not because they think it's wrong, but because they think their partner just won't understand the pattern that they can see. And it's often not until after the episode has subsided
0: that they can see just how reckless and risky that decision was. That's really interesting because that could put you into a whole lot of financial woes if you are acting on that kind of impulsive behavior without any research or facts behind it. Are there other examples that you could possibly share with us?
2: I guess if we think about some of the symptoms of bipolar disorder as feeling excessively confident. So someone might go out and purchase a lot of luxury clothing because this clothing now identifies with their new elevated social status. Another example could be collecting things. So collecting things that are in a certain category and getting more and more expensive items like skincare products and things like that. One of the other things that we often see in someone experiencing a manic episode is that they'll become hyper social so you can often see things like purchasing gifts for loved ones taking friends and family away on holidays so this is an example Jess that you raised of something that your mum would do you're describing a 10 year old yeah (laughs) it can be very I guess subtle in how it begins so it can start with little gifts you know smaller holidays and then really ramp up if it's
0: not addressed early on are you hearing a lot of red flags, Jess, when Alexis is saying this? That, yeah, I remember this at this time. Yeah, mum did that. Now I realize why she did that.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like the small little thing that started it off would have been like the family dog that we got because my father was very like, no, we're not getting a dog. And as soon as they separated, it's like, yep, that's the first thing we're going to get. And then from there, it was the car. And then the other couple of holidays. But so many little, like, oh, yeah, I remember
0: her doing that. Alexis, you heard Jess give the sequence of events. Is that normal when it comes to bipolar and the effects it has financially? Are there other issues that they're also juggling? In Jess's mum's case, the, the drinking, the gambling, the separation, the spending, is that normal?
2: Yeah, definitely. So people experiencing untreated bipolar disorder can have difficulties across all walks of life. So this can range from having trouble staying in a job because you're constantly uh, pursuing new things, you're getting bored very easily. So changing jobs, moving around, so moving from house to house, moving relationships. So it can be this pattern of real instability until someone finds treatment. And with that, you see a lot of financial mismanagement
0: that can just compound the problem. Yeah, because it, it seems to snowball, doesn't it? If you have this erratic spending, you need to fuel that with a job. But if you are not performing at work, you lose your job, you really do spiral and you can spiral very fast. Exactly, yeah. And and also you see that the bills come in and
2: that added stress can be a really powerful thing that can push somebody into a depressive episode and they end up avoiding opening the mail and the bills get bigger and bigger, causing more stress. So it can set up this vicious cycle
0: where the financial difficulties actually make the illness worse and vice versa. And Jess, that's what you said you were seeing, the bills coming through, the late notices. That stress must have rubbed off on you.
1: Oh, yes, most definitely. I was worried like the power was going to get shut off or something like that or the internet would be turned off, wouldn't be able to do homework or study or anything like
0: that. Jess, I've got to ask, how is your mum doing now? She's a lot better. She's medicated
1: now and that's helping her a lot. She does have some instances where something will set her off, but there are sort of restrictions in place so she doesn't like go overboard or anything like that.
0: And how's your relationship with your mum now? Uh, It's a lot better. What brought you back again?
1: I think the start of us getting back together would have been my graduation from high school. So we all came together for that. And then slowly enough, mum and dad started like seeing each other again. So she was then more so in the picture. And that was when she was like on medication, feeling a lot better, more herself.
0: Oh, so in some way you brought your parents back together again? (laughs) You could say that, yes. (laughs) Alexis, if someone is on medication, is that enough for them to protect themselves to have a safeguard around? So
2: medication can be very effective in controlling the mood episodes that lead to overspending. That being said, if somebody experiences a significant life event, so it could be something like moving house, separating or changing jobs, this can be enough to sort of destabilise them and put them at risk of experiencing mood symptoms. And this is where safeguards become really important. Some of the safeguards that can be really helpful, first and foremost, is identifying either a support team or a support person who is enlisted specifically to help you make judgments about those bigger ticket items. So, you know, do you need to book that plane ticket? Do you need to get that deal on that car right here and now? So someone to help you put that delay in place. These safeguards are really important,
0: even when medication is being taken. And I guess there's even things that people can do from a banking level, like setting a spending limit on their debit card, getting rid of credit cards and having just prepaid debit cards, maybe, along with what you're proposing as well. Do you ever worry that... I mean this is to both of you can you have setbacks can you have these safeguards in place can you be medicated have the safeguards in place and still pose a threat to your own financial affairs i
1: think there is a little bit of a threat like the start of covid for example my nana ended up passing away and so the inheritance money for my mum was given to her and everyone was like okay, what are you going to do with it? And she ended up transferring it all to my father and that's like in his account to look after. So she doesn't have access, direct access to it.
0: Is that the right thing to do, Alexis, in that regard? Oh, look, I
2: think that will differ from person to person. And one thing that we see a lot is that People choose somebody outside the family to be that custodian because it can remove some of the conflict in the relationship because we know that if someone tries to question something that you go and purchase, it can be really an unpleasant feeling. Feeling like you have your autonomy taken away. So
0: sometimes having someone outside of the family or separate can be helpful. I'd like to know also just what impact has this had on you financially? A lot of money habits are formed by looking at what your parents do. Has that changed your money behavior at all?
1: Most definitely. I'm
0: quite careful with my
1: money, I don't go out and buy like expensive things and all that. You've learned some tough lessons that way, haven't you? (laughs) I've learned some tough lessons, yes. Like if something new comes out and I already have a version of it, kind of like a phone, for example, I'm not going to go out straight away and buy it or anything like that. And
0: yeah, I budget very, very hard. And that's great. Is it sensible budgeting or have you gone to the extreme? Are you fearful of spending? Not fearful, I think it's at the sensible sort of level. I treat myself every now and again. I think my sister probably has a bit of that fearful factor in her. She didn't live with you at that time, but you've believed that it's impacted on her more financially or her habits. Yeah. Her habits, yeah, definitely. She's very
1: frugal with her money. She doesn't spend a lot.
0: Alexis, I've got to ask you if there are people listening and they think they may have bipolar or any other mental health issue, how do they go about getting help? If someone's listening and this is resonating, what can they do? I think the important thing to remember
2: is that this isn't specific to bipolar disorder. This can occur in many different types of mental illnesses. But typically, the first place to start is simply to make an appointment with a GP to talk through these issues. And people often don't think about going to see their GP for something like overspending. But if it is a symptom of mental health problems that could be addressed that's important if they don't want to go and see a person face to face to begin with a nice easy step could be to take an online self-assessment so at the black dog institute we have online symptom assessments that people can take and they can print them off and show them to their doctor if they
0: feel like it but simply reaching out is probably the best step What about if you have a situation where it is a loved one of yours, family member, friend, whatever, but there's no way that they're going to go to a doctor. There's no way that they're going to self-help because, you know, I don't have a problem. This is fine. I'm fine. Is intervention a good way to go or how do you get someone to receive help? So you often can't force someone
2: to get help if they don't want to. And in that situation, it's often a matter of simply maintaining contact, being supportive and trying your best to help protect them from spending beyond their means. So things like not co-signing loans with family members can be really important. Encouraging them to keep receipts so that Later down the track, they can return things.
0: Things to not enable them to spend more than they can afford is really important. What measures can family or friends put in place to protect their loved one from excessive spending? When we talk about this issue
2: with family members, because it's often the family members that will come to us and say, we're seeing the packages coming in, they're in huge amounts of debt and they're not addressing it. How can we help them? A lot of the suggestions we put in place to work with the family is things that put in place a delay. So things like turning off one click payments, really going through even your browsers and removing your credit card details. So you can't do things quickly. We really recommend just putting that delay in place, regardless of whether the person's got a diagnosis or not.
0: Jess, I I think especially over the last uh, couple of years with COVID and the importance that we are placing and rightly so on mental health, I really do thank you for sharing this because a lot of us don't talk about the financial aspect. I mean, we are essentially, a a money podcast so we're focusing on the financial side of things what signs would you tell people to look out for I guess mostly just like new little things popping up in terms of like gifts and products and
1: just spending out of the ordinary yeah so
0: just a sudden change in behavior what people are actually spending is something to kind of go hey is everything okay here yeah yeah Look, ladies, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for raising awareness on what is a really important issue. And I'm so glad, Jess, that your mum is in a better position and that you also have a great relationship with her too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Real Money with Effie Zahos, powered by CanStar, Australia's biggest financial comparison site. CanStar's experts research and rate finance products from over 30 categories, including home loans and insurance, personal loans, super, and investing. To compare products and see if you could be getting a better deal, visit canstar.com.au. As always, you'll find useful links in the show notes, but if you need more information on today's podcast topics or any other money topics, head to canstar.com.au. Do you have a money story you'd like to share? Get in touch with me at effie.zahos at canstar.com.au.